0: Guys, we're so thankful. Steve and Sandra flew in here on Monday. They're actually over in Europe for a a month. Uh, they're going on somewhere else in England next and Newbury I think and then they're going to Kosovo uh, to do a conference there and then they're going on a cruise and uh, all of that. They're going to Venice which is lovely and then round the Mediterranean and all of those things. But we are so thankful they spent time with the team this week, spent time with the KFC leaders, the PCC, the church wardens and have really given to us um, so fully and deeply this weekend. And Even yesterday morning when we were interrupted by lightning, which didn't really arrive, did it? So, you know, health and safety need a talking to, you know. (laughs) Uh, after, in the post-conference review. Uh, but anyway, it's because all your prayers were working from the cars. We all had to go out mid-session and go to our cars, and everyone started praying, and basically the storm parted, just like the Red Sea, and went around our site. So anyway, well done for praying, everybody. You did a great job. Um, but anyway, we lost a bit of time, but it just felt like even just how the Holy Spirit is just healing hearts, through both their messages and the witness of their lives and I would love you just to give your um, special thanks and honor for Steven Sandra Long and we're going to welcome you guys now. And we're just, we're so thankful because they, they don't do stuff outside of their stream of churches. So they're not the sort of junkies going around looking for random Anglicans in meeting farms uh, to do meetings. They normally stick to their own. So we are just so thankful that you would come and sow into what God is doing amongst us. We really, really value it. Now, can we just have a tiny conflab about timings? Because we haven't seen them this morning. <laughs> Thank you. Excuse us. We've got a plan. <laughs> so, Father, thank you for these two. Um, we just so appreciate them. Thank you for this brand new phase of ministry you're, you've released them into. Father, give them so, so many open doors in the UK, in Europe, in Africa, in the Middle East, and all the ministry you put in front of them. Uh, we just pray, may your kingdom advance, and may it be such a joy and a thrill to their hearts to see all that you are doing in the earth. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.
1: Good.
2: Oh, wow, I could oh the presence of God in this place. There was a breaking last night that just happened in the the worship and the intercession, and so I'm just so thankful. But I have to say, th- this is an incredible family. You guys are amazing. So turn to your neighbor and say, "You're amazing." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. all right, that's enough. No, no, no. <laughs> no, um, um, I just want to say it is such a privilege to be here with James and Lou and their family, but just all of you and getting to know you a little bit more and ones that have come up to us. And and I remember your faces and, and then the stories start coming back to memory. And, and so it's just been a privilege to be here and um, just the presence of God and just how you honor each other. Um, you have an incredible community here and you know, we've done we've done a lot of um, traveling over the years, and uh, there's places we've gone. And and I and I, to be honest, I look at Steve and I'm like, let's get out of here. You know. <laughs> oh, Sorry, I like to be real. <laughs> um, just because it just there's nothing. It's just bodies. There's nothing. But you guys, you guys are full of family, and I'm a big family person. You're full of the presence of God, and never lose sight of that. Even, you know, when we were singing about the song about the storms and stuff like that, I'm sure many of us have been through a lot of storms, but never lose sight of your family. Never lose sight of the community that the Lord has built in this place, because it's so precious. It's a wonderful gift that he's given you. So um, I, anybody that would walk in here today, um, like, I, I just feel like I'm at home. And you know, it's hard when you travel because you leave your home, but it's nice to be able to come here and say, I feel like I'm at home. And I feel um, home, is, there's a song. I think it's, um oh, what's his name? Don't start. Yeah, don't, yeah. I know, we've been singing. <laughs> Mike, Mike and Evelyn and I have been singing songs.
1: Sandra knows the first line of every song and then after that, it's, she doesn't know it. <laughs>
2: But we've just been singing songs and all sorts. But anyways, um, it's just been wonderful. But I just want to bless you guys and thank you for your hospitality. But most of all, never take, like, the presence of God that is in this room. is. Oh, can you just stand up for a minute? Come on. The presence of God is so strong. Just hold your hands out to the Lord right now. Yeah. And, you know, there's some of you that you've just come in. And you're not getting, you know, the end part. You're actually walking into a full room. And the presence of the Lord is in this room and the glory is in this room. And Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. <coughs> Holy Spirit, I, I I'm just overwhelmed and in an awe of your presence, how you just keep coming and you choose to be in the middle of a field somewhere, in the middle of nowhere. And your love's here, Father, and, and it oozes out onto this land, which oozes out onto the streets of these communities, Lord. And, Father, I'm asking that today that if anybody's feeling empty, Lord, that you would over them, overwhelm them with your presence, Lord, that they would just choose to drink of you. And so, Holy Spirit, I just choose to drink of you right now, of your presence, and that your love, like we would just get a fill up, And, Father, anywhere where we felt like there's been a withdrawal in the spirit realm, Lord, you would just come and overflow us right now in the name of Jesus. And every bit of tiredness would just come off of us right now, Lord. And, Father, our hearts are open today. Our hearts are open to your love. And, Lord, we receive that, but we give that back to you. We're your kids, and we love you so much. And we honor you in this place. And we honor you in our homes. And Father, we give you all the glory for what you're gonna do today because it's not about us, it's about you. But you choose to be here. And, and Lord, I'm just so grateful. So Lord, bless these ones in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay.
1: Thank you, Maybe seated. Sandra, as Sandra said, it's been great being back with you. We were here last year for those of you who had never met us before. Uh, Enjoyed our time. It was great. Got to meet a whole bunch of amazing people. And as Sandra just said, got to uh, meet more people this time and follow up on some of you that we met before, which is really, really good. Enjoy hanging out with your leadership team, your pastoral team. That's always fun. Very impressed people. Sandra and I had two and a half hours on Wednesday morning with the wardens. Uh, your two wardens are amazing, godly men. And... Um, my, my impression, <laughs> my impression of, of wardens from other churches that I've been to is they just care about the building, not so much about the people, and that's just the opposite. Um, uh, just very impressed with the, the spirituality, the call of God in their lives to uh, be spiritual leaders amongst you, so very, very good. Uh, I want to give a shout out to a couple of friends, and so Valerie Gillum, give a wave. Hey, Valerie is uh lives in brighton she now attends oasis in colliers wood and she came over to toronto from brighton from new frontiers church there uh 1995 1994 somewhere like that and led the prayer ministry team 300 plus people on our prayer ministry team alone and she was full-time just pastoring those people who are ministering uh six nights a week and so good to see you again valerie Yay. And Nigel and Julie, back over here. Nigel's just got coffee. I hope one of them's for me. Nigel, is one of those me, or no? It's tea, all right. So this is trivia about uh, this couple. Uh, 30 years ago, when Sandra and I joined Catch the Fire in Toronto, we started a small group in their house. They were living in, in, in Toronto at the time. And so we had two years together, three years together, two years together, yep. And uh, the plan for Sandra and I was, we, we would leave and let them take over the group and uh, that's what we did. Yay. So it's good catching up with them again. We had nice chili yesterday at your home. I had indigestion last night, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if it was the extra habanero that I added or if it was the leftover fish and chips from the room here last night. Uh, But anyways, 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm going, all right, I need a Pepto-Bismol kind of tablet thingy. So anyways. And um, Mike and Evelyn have been our hosts. Where are they sitting? They're right over here. So it's great to be with you guys. We've been staying at their house instead of camping for my wife's idea of camping is Premier Inn, Is sort of that's as low as she goes, <laughs> uh, and they've got a beautiful house and beautiful people, it's been great to be with you guys again, thank you so much, looking after us. Right, so the little theme that Sandra and I have had for our talks has been the idea of getting breakthroughs, of stepping into something better that God has for you, and today we're going to talk about the encounters that everyone needs to have with with the Trinity, gonna talk about meeting Jesus if you've never met him before, we're gonna give you a chance to do that today. We're gonna talk about connecting with the Holy Spirit and the benefits that come with connecting with the Holy Spirit. And I'm really gonna, those are sort of the secondary things but we're gonna talk about having an encounter with God as Father. And I got a couple stories, gonna tell you about that. Um, Planning to have an extended ministry time, if that's all right. And we just push in and ask for the Holy Spirit to come and meet with us. Uh, if you're going to church, I think that you have the right to expect to have an encounter with God. I think that should be an expectation on your heart every single time. Is that you're going to meet God in some way. And it could be during the worship. Uh, I measure good worship set by how many times I cry. <laughs> and, and a five cry Sunday is a really good. <laughs> uh, that's sort of my peak. Uh, of just feeling the love of God finding me and sense that God knows who I am and I'm not forgotten, I'm not alone, I'm, I'm placed in a family, those kind of things. And sometimes it's the stories of people, the testimonies of people, sometimes it's the talk uh, as the word of God's open. So I'd like you, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14. We're going to look at the last words of Jesus, the last expression of his teaching towards his 12, his summary of three years of his life i think that jesus got to this place where he's literally a few days away from the cross and i think he figured out my guys still don't get it (laughs) let me summarize three years of travel with these people and so the two things that he teaches in john 14 15 16 are about the holy spirit and about the father god the father so John chapter 14, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, and if it were not so, would I have told you, sorry, if, I, if it was not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. And, friends, this is a shocking statement right here. Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you knew me, you will know my Father also. So, from now on, do know him. Sorry, you do know him and you've seen him. Philip now says, another one of the 12 says, Lord, show us the Father. And we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? I think there's great disappointment in Jesus right here. <laughs> and he realizes, oh my goodness, they don't know. So we're going to try to figure that out. is why, why didn't the disciples know? And why is there a possibility that we don't know, sitting in this field in this underneath the tent right now like if the disciples hung out with jesus for three years and didn't grasp everything there was to know about the father or even some of the simpler things very good chance that we haven't had those kind of impacts and friends what jesus is going to talk about here i'm going to back up and start over again but i'm just reading it through right now and just a little side comments but jesus i think realizes right here that they have to have an encounter so far they just had head knowledge They have to have an experience to be able to go that next level. and So that's what he's going to start talking about now. So verse 10, do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? That's an experience. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. And if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Down to verse 12, sorry, verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and, in fact, will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if in my name you ask for anything, I will do it. Then jump to verse 18. I will not leave you orphaned. What's an orphan? Someone who doesn't have a mom or dad. So he's he's not physically saying they're they're orphans in the natural. He's talking about in the spirit realm. You have to have an experience to know that you got a daddy in heaven. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will know that I'm in my father and you're in me and I'm in you. And so I love the summary in verse 20 where Jesus says there's coming a day when you're going to know it. And the word no here is not the word intellectual no, it's experiential no. Yep. So in this little passage, we got a couple little things. First of all, uh, when Jesus says he's going somewhere, where's Jesus going? Talk to me. How many said heaven? Sort of. Someone said it over here. Where are we really going? Uh Uh-huh. This passage is not about going to heaven, people. It doesn't say that. It says, we're going to the father who happens to live in a place called heaven. So when I went to Nigel and Julie's house last night, I really didn't go to see the architecture of their house. It's nice. I didn't go to see their furniture. It's okay. <laughs> I, I had an hour nap on one of their couches, so it's, it's quite good. I went to spend time with them. Friends, the whole purpose of going to heaven isn't just to have a, a cruise, have a holiday. It's to go and meet the Father. And Jesus is saying, this is, this is our, our, the best part of our future is not an escape from earth. It's to meet Father and be with Father and to know him in the fullness that he has and to experience everything there is about him. Uh, we're going to meet people, I'm sure. We're going to have full intellect, the Bible says. We're going to have all sorts of uh, celebrations and worship and those kind of things. But friends, the destination is the Father. And as Jesus is saying this, then we have this problem that comes up where the disciples go, "Um, sorry, back up again. Who's, Who's the Father? So here's what you need to know, friends. In the Old Testament, the word Father, talking about God, is only used three times. Because Father talks about relationship. And for the Jewish people, for the most part, they don't have a relationship. They have a fear-based God. They're afraid of God, he's holy. When God shows up in the tent of meeting, everyone stands solemnly and silently and reverently as they see Moses having experiences and they sort of long for that themselves. Remember Joshua from the talk last night, (coughs) he's living in that presence. But for the most part, everyone else is in awe, and we got, we got to follow the rules, and we got to you know, do everything pro- properly and promptly. Three times God's called Father. <coughs> Jesus, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uses the word Father 300 times. That's the name of God. Uh, those of you that come from a Muslim tradition, you'll know that God has 99 names, and the word father is not one of those names. In fact, if you've heard the, the prayer call that the Muslims have, they say uh, Allah is the name of God. Uh, he is not a father and he does not have a son. They repeat that five times a day. So the, the Muslim called to prayer is an anti-Jesus, anti-father prayer. It's not an anti-Jew prayer. It's an anti-Christian prayer. And the, the basis of our faith is that God is a father physically has a son and his name is Jesus, happens to be our savior, yeah? And so here, here Jesus is, is using the word father, the word Abba over and over and over. If you've been to Israel, to me one of the, the funnest things is to overhear conversations between little kids and their dad and that's the word that they're using as they use the Hebrew language to discuss and talk and I don't know Hebrew but I do know the word Abba when I hear it. It's, you know, a little kid says, Abba, Abba, slow down. Or whatever they're, they're saying. And it's just this wonderful relational word. It's not talking about title. It's talking about love, heart, connection. And that's the relationship that Jesus had with Father God. So the problem is that Thomas goes like, we have no clue where you're going. And so he answers that, and then Philip says, well, like, you need to demonstrate the Father to us, like, if you just showed us the Father, showed us a picture, give us a revelation, whatever, uh, that would be good. And so Jesus now begins to go through this process. So he answers this question by, how do we know the Father? And if you go down to verse 6, he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So those of you in the room that haven't begun a relationship with Jesus, you're not gonna know the Father until you know Jesus. So we'll expand on that just a little bit later. I'm gonna have a special prayer for you that maybe haven't got to the place where you formally surrendered your life and said, Jesus, I'm going to be, become your follower. There's all sorts of benefits, and I'm gonna tell you the benefits, so when we get to the end and have that prayer to invite Jesus to be part of your life, you're ready for the benefits to kick in immediately. That'd be all right? So the first thing of knowing the Father is you have to have a relationship with Jesus. And friends, the, this little phrase where he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, that is the most pr- provocative statement that people who don't like Christianity, don't like followers of Jesus. This is the issue right here. How arrogant of Jesus to say that he's the only way in a pluralistic society Like you can talk to almost anybody. Well, there's many, many ways to God. But Jesus says, no, no, no. There's only one. I'm the way. Uh, I'm the truth. So our society is, well, you have a truth. I have a truth. Everyone has a truth. No. I grew up with, my mom told me what was true. (laughs) My dad told me what was right. And uh, the Bible tells us what is truth. Jesus says, I am truth. You know him, all sorts of answers are going to come. Struggling with your identity, it's going to come when you know Jesus. Satan's all about confusion. He's all about misdirection. And as soon as you have a relationship with Jesus and truth begins to come, a lot of these side issues, a lot of things that are plaguing your society, Canadian society, they get sorted out when we know Jesus because he's the truth and he's life. He's eternal life. And so people go, well, really, that's how how arrogant of Jesus to say that. But friends, there's only three possibilities here. Uh, number one possibility is that Jesus, <laughs> he's actually crazy. He he's a lunatic. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's delusional, and he says this. That's possibility number one. Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just making it up. Option number two is he knows that he's not the way, the truth, and the life, but he says it anyways, and it's purposeful, and that he's a liar. He's purposely trying to misguide and misdirect people. So that's option two of Jesus right here. He's he's crazy. He's a lunatic. (laughs) Delusional. Or he's purposely misdirecting people. He's a liar. Or number three, he's right. That's Those are your three options, friends. There's no other options. When Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, it's either a lie, it's either fantasy, or it's fact. And I think when people start to think that one through, it's like, okay, well, everything I know about even what Muslims and Hindus and Orthodox Jews believe about Jesus, no one says he's crazy. No one says he's a liar, so perhaps he's true. It's it's true what he says. My life's been changed by Jesus, a whole bunch of people in this room, their life's been changed by Jesus. Change your, your life's been changed by Jesus, where are you? Wave your hand, okay? A whole bunch of you, most of you. Perfect, all right, let's keep going. So that's number one. Number two is we get to know the Father by watching Jesus, and he uses this phrase in verse nine, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So if we wanna have a good idea of what Father God's like, we just need to look at the life of Jesus. What was Jesus like? well, he's one of the most compassionate people that anyone in that day could meet. He looked after the physical needs of people. He looked after the emotional needs of people. He redeemed people. He restored people. Uh, A lady is uh, caught having sex with a guy who's not her husband. And I don't know why the husband's not brought before Jesus, but the lady's brought and humiliated before Jesus. And Jesus restores this lady redeems this lady, tells her, don't keep sinning, don't, you know, live in that kind of lifestyle. Uh, But he's all about her and loving her and caring for her. There's a lady that's having her menstrual cycle for 12 years straight, lives in Capernaum where Jesus was living. And she has this God thought that if I touch the bottom of his trousers, I'll be healed. And she does that. And the Bible says that this lady has been suffering for 12 years, all the physical things that go with having your menstrual cycle. Plus, she's spent all the money she's had on doctors, and it's gotten worse, so now she's poor. And it's just been a terrible 12 years for this lady. And she's, she's always unclean. She's never allowed to be in public, because if she touches anybody, they're unclean for 12 hours. They have to do five baths in order to be purified, to be back in public the next day. This lady's isolated. And the moment that she's healed, Jesus senses that in in his physical body, that someone's just, one of the people who's been touching hasn't been a touch to say, I touched Jesus. I met Jesus, I had a selfie. But it was like she touched to get healing and got her healing. And do you remember how Jesus talks about this lady? He talks about her as a daughter of Israel. That's one of the highest titles you can give. That's like calling someone sir or dame, or lady, daughter of Israel. Like, he put her way up instantly. That's who Jesus is. Plus, he's able. He's anointed. He's able to do miracles. He's able to do healings. Friends, all of those things that he did wasn't because he was God. All those things was because he was a human being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's good news for you and me. That means if we're followers of Jesus, we have the same daddy can be led by the Spirit, have the same Holy Spirit in us, all the things that Jesus did, they're available for us to do. We can believe for those kind of things, for our family, for our friends, for our neighbors, for strangers. It's, it's amazing. So, how do we find the Father? We look at Jesus is how we do that. Turn to page two. Why doesn't page two want to come out? There it is. And the last thing about this one is we know the Father by having Jesus in us. And so in verse 11, Jesus says, believe me, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. So remember I said people who haven't started their relationship with Jesus yet, you need to have Jesus in you, in you, not just around you. Yeah, he's cool. I like him. But you need to have this relationship. Before you can know the Father, you have to have Jesus in you. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to give you an opportunity in a little bit. There's a couple of rewards that the Bible talks about that when you have this relationship with Jesus, things begin to happen. And we've talked about some of these already. Verse 12, it says this Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. I love this. This is now talking about the moment that you give your life to Jesus, the Spirit of God comes in you, the same Holy Spirit that came in Jesus at his baptism. And the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit is inside you and now is available to go out of you to other people. And so now you get to see people healed. Now you get to see your prayers answered for these people. You get to see um, thoughts of compassion. You just sort of know the heart of someone. You say, are you feeling this? And and you're right. You begin to speak prophetic words. and, And we become the answer for other people's challenges, other people's problems. And it's, it's part of this amazing prophetic word that Jesus had for you and me, that we get to do greater things than Jesus. Have you thought about that, people? Greater things than Jesus. So in the scriptures, we have three people that are raised from the dead by Jesus. So any of you got to four so far? <laughs> yeah? I'm at one, plus a squirrel, so that's one and a half. <laughs> Sorry, not a squirrel, a bird. A friend of mine raised a squirrel from, from the dead. Uh, that's where you practice people, on, on, on animals. <laughs> practice on flies, uh, worms, no? <laughs> okay, practice on people. I have a friend, he's, based, he's an American, he's based in Mexico, and in his ministry, uh, there are well over 300 people being raised from the dead like spectacular things, like he's in the jungles where the drug lords are in Mexico, uh, drug fights, cartels, and people who haven't done what the cartel guys want, they take a machete and and slash their arm off. And they wrap the arm in banana leaves and uh, call my friend, and he shows up three days later because they're in the middle of the jungle and he can't get there. By the time he gets there, you know, it's, it's still wrapped in a banana leaf, and he picks up this arm, puts it where it's supposed to be, in the name of Jesus' stick, and he lets go, and it's stuck, and it's functioning. Like, that's, that's probably a greater than Jesus. We don't have that kind of story about Jesus. But, friends, there is, there's no limit to the things that we can do, is what Jesus is saying. Once we know Jesus... And when Jesus is in us, the Spirit of God is now in us. Friends, this is is supposed to make your day. Bible says that followers of God are supposed to be men and women of renown. That you have a reputation. People look at you as the miracle worker. So friends, we talked about this yesterday. But I got a little update. Uh, I realized when I arrived that I forgot one of my medications at home. I have on my phone a photo of all my pills that I take. That when I go to a new doctor, go to a new dentist, and they say, "What are all the medications?" I don't have to try to remember the fancy names. I just show them pictures, and they go, "Okay, okay, okay." So I'm I'm saying I know there's a a pharmacist on the high street. What's the high street in Ashington called? London. London Road. I've seen it, I've been in there before, I got some uh, chocolate in there I think last year or something like that. Uh, no, it was sun cream is what I got last year for coming here. Uh, it was a prophetic statement. Sun cream, family camp, uh, family conference. Anyways, so I said to, to them, uh, I need to go and get some medication and talking to the men and women of faith, talking about James and Lou and talking about uh, Mike and Evelyn, they're going, At your, it's, no, you're not gonna be able to get your medication. In England, at a pharmacy, it's going to be complicated. You're going to have to have a doctor's uh, prescription. Da, da 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 da. And one of them, I won't say who, said the lady in there isn't always the nicest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't. I don't. How many go to that pharmacy? Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know what your opinion is, but that's what I was told. Is, you know, and. My, my little quick re- retort to them was, well, you don't know me, and I just expect favor. So I walk in, and there's three ladies that are in there. There's a pharmacist and two other gals, one that's at the cash register, one that's filling orders and doing whatever else she's doing. And I say, um, uh, I'm from Canada. I'm from Toronto. I left one of my medications at home, and I would like this. Uh, it's uh, one of the statins, whatever those things are for your cholesterol, is it, your heart? Sorry? Yes, one of those. There's like you know five or six different brands in that. And uh, what, what's the milligrams? I said it's 20 milligrams. Oh, OK. And here's what she said. I am 100 boxes of those back-ordered, and yet she gave me the only box she had. So one of the people, maybe someone here, <laughs> was do that box. And I got it, yeah. And uh, anyways, uh, I went out to say, James, I'm gonna get my order. James comes in, being the nice guy, because everyone knows him in Ashington, and uh, he goes in to say thank you. I can't remember what she said. And she says, well, because I've identified myself as a follower of Jesus, she said, well, could you say a prayer, because I'm 100 boxes back-ordered. Could you say a prayer about that? And it's like, yes. And so, you know, I think James and James just said a simple little prayer. Jesus, you know, may they come in. I think you said tomorrow. Something like that. And guess what happened the very next day? The very next day, 100 boxes came in. Now, that's pretty good. So end of my day of getting those, uh, I'm thinking I need to give this girl a little, this lady, sorry, a little gift. And... Uh, Uh, James suggested flowers, so that little food place, uh, grocery store that you have, what's that called? Co-op. Went in there, got some of the six-pound flowers. They were much cheaper at uh, the other place that I went to go. They were four (laughs) pounds. Anyways. (laughs) Take the flowers in to say thank you. We haven't got the hundred boxes yet. That's the next morning. Patrick yesterday told me that he had to go into the pharmacist yesterday afternoon. Apparently his mom, is she here today? Patrick's mom? So if some of you know her. Uh, she's uh, a little older and she needed some medication. And he went in and apparently she wasn't the nicest with this pharmacy lady. That there was a little bit of a contentious time with them. And so he went in to apologize for his mom's behavior. And the lady knows that he's connected with you guys and with James and Lou and with me and she tells him the story. And he says, well, Steve Long, that you gave the pills, he's been just pumping your tires, do you know what that means? He's like lifting you up, he's, he's been telling good stories about you. And she's like, changed her countenance, isn't that amazing? So hands up those of you that go to that pharmacist. You need to identify yourself as a follower of Jesus next time you're in and say, "Uh, Steve, James and Lou, told Patrick told me the story about those 100 boxes. Like, friends, do that. Do that and just see what's going to happen. See what conversations you get in. She may look to you to say, well, actually, could you pray for my nephew? Could you pray for my auntie? Yeah, and just it keeps on going. How do those things happen, friends? It's because the Spirit of God is with us. And we can do greater things. Yep. The last sec, sorry, that's the first thing. When we know the Father, the first benefit is we get to do breakthroughs. Number two is about prayer. We've been talking about that. It's been one of the themes. Joshua, who was preaching last night, talked about prayer. Jesus says this, verse 13, 14 I will do whatever you ask. Oh my goodness. There's no asterisks beside that, people. Like, it's just, I will do whatever you ask in my name. So it's it's in accordance with the will of God, clearly. Like, you can't be, Jesus, I need a different color Ferrari every single day. Uh, no, you don't need that. Uh, I will ask whatever you ask. Sorry. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And in my name, you can ask me for anything, and I'll do it. Well, that was our prayer at that pharmacist. She needs 100 boxes of uh, pills of one just one branch she's backdoored 100 and we said a little prayer and God answered it the very next day and who's glorified God's glorified plus a guy from Canada <laughs> <laughs> that she knows is a follower of Jesus yeah I love this stuff friends the solution for our problem of not knowing the father is Jesus the benefit is Jesus comes in saves us from our sins plus we get the Holy Spirit. And then the last thing that Jesus said in this passage is there's coming a day, let me read it, it's verse 20. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I'm in you. So Jesus is telling his 12, get ready. At some point soon, a day coming up, You're going to have an encounter that is going to so change your life that you're going to know that the Father's in you, you're in the Father, you're in me, he's in me, everyone's together. And this is a promise for him. Well, what's that day? I think for most of the followers of Jesus, it's Easter Sunday afternoon. It's John chapter 20, verse 21, when they are in a room, they're in fear, they're panicking, they think that they're about to be arrested by the Jews as well. The Jews know who the followers of Jesus are, the the close disciples. Judas has hung himself. Thomas is so fearful he's not even in the room with these people, he's hiding somewhere. And Jesus appears in that room and he says the word shalom, peace, calm down. (laughs) That'd be frightening, wouldn't it? Have someone just poof in the room. And it, turns, it looks like Jesus, and he, they look at the holes in his arms and his legs and his side. And the first thing that he does after he says peace is he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. And the Bible doesn't give all the story there, friends. When we get to heaven, we're going to have to watch the, the DVD of that one. <laughs> but I'm thinking that if Jesus breathes over his followers the Holy Spirit, remember he'd been telling them, There's coming this day that's going to change your life. And so we don't have the big story here. We don't know what exactly happened. But I'm thinking that if Jesus is releasing the Holy Spirit, something good happened. And then a few days later, 40 days later, we have Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit is released to everybody who's a seeker. The 120 that are gathered plus the 3,000 that say, yes, I'm in. Everyone gets the Holy Spirit and they have a deep, deep encounter with God. And friends, if you've read the stories of Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, he's a brash guy. He's a proud guy. He's a business owner. The Bible says he has five fishing boats that he runs. He's a wealthy man. If you've been to Capernaum, you can tell that he's wealthy because he has a corner house overlooking the Sea of Galilee. He's on the cliff, best house in town. That's Peter's house. And so he's a, domin- a dominant force in business, in the commerce of, of Capernaum. He's bold. He's sort of the leader of the, of the of the 12. Friends, there's the possibility that Peter is the only one over the age of 25 that's a follower of Jesus. Apparently, the only people that paid taxes in Israel uh, were 25 and over, had to pay Roman taxes. And so remember when... Uh, people come to Jesus and say like aren't you supposed to be paying taxes and he goes yeah Peter how about you go fishing and uh, the first fish you catch there'll be some money in there that'll pay your tax and mine why wasn't there more coins for all the other disciples and one of the possibilities possibility is that all the rest of them were too young to pay taxes so Peter potentially is the oldest of the disciples yeah he's the natural leader but he's not a nice guy. (laughs) He's telling Jesus off several times. You can't, Jesus, you can't talk like that. You're not going to wash my feet. He's a bold guy. What was Peter like after being filled with the Holy Spirit and having an encounter with with Father God? He's one of the nicest guys that there is. He's anointed. He's, He's able to discern the hearts of people. Like, he's, he's got the, if I can say it, the sauce of the Holy Spirit in him really good. Miracles take place. Like, even his, his uh, handkerchiefs are healing people. His shadow is healing people. He's gone from a, a brash uh, business owner to being a softy, full of the Holy Spirit. How did that happen? He had an encounter. He had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and what Jesus is saying in this passage is when you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit introduces you and puts you into the Father. So guess what our ministry is going to be in a few moments from now? We're going to do all three of those. We're going to, those of you who haven't started with Jesus, we're going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. Those of you that don't feel you've had an experience with the Holy Spirit, we're going to do that. And knowing that the Holy Spirit's the one who places us into the love of the Father, we're going to do that as well. Are we okay with that? I want to tell you two stories. What was the day that Jesus changed? When did Jesus have his breakthrough? Well, thank you for answering, but it's Matthew chapter 3. It's at his baptism. He's, he is an ordinary person. He has promises over his life but there's no recorded stories of Jesus doing any miracles, doing any healings, doing any incredible teaching. He's, he's doing his natural uh, father-in-law, not father-in-law, stepfather's job. He's a carpenter. He's a woodworker. And he goes to the revival meeting that John the Pentecostal, otherwise known as John the Baptizer, is doing. And he goes into the water, and when John sees him, because they're cousins, he goes, no, no, no. like. And John has this amazing revelation. Oh, my goodness, you're the Lamb of God. Oh, my goodness, you're the, you're the Messiah. And Jesus goes, shh, shh. shh. <laughs> I need to do this. I need to be baptized in water, be immersed in water, because it's the right thing to do. And John baptizes him. And what happens, friends, at the moment that Jesus is baptized? Two things happen. Number one, The Holy Spirit fills Jesus, correct? People saw something like a dove coming and landing on him. Boom. It was visible. And Jesus had an experience where he received the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10, when Peter's talking, uh, he's going into the house of Cornelius, the very first Gentile to become a follower of God. Goes into that house, and he says in Acts chapter 10, verse 37 and 38, You know how uh, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, at his baptism in Judea, how he was anointed by God and went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Peter says that the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the beginning of the anointed time of Jesus, was at his baptism. Correct? So he has an experience with the Holy Spirit. What also happens when he gets the Holy Spirit, people? An audible voice shows up and says, I'm your daddy. I love you. And everyone heard that. Correct? And so the process, friends, is we invite the Holy Spirit who brings daddy's love towards us. Josh talked about this last night, unconditional love from God. Uh, Every single one of us has grown up with conditional love. Girls, guys who tried to seduce you by saying that they love you. No, there's a condition. Have sex, I'll say I love you. Yeah. Moms and dads talk to little kids, and I know the culture is changing, but I was told every time I did something right, mommy loves you because I did something good. Oh, mommy doesn't like what you just did there. Mommy doesn't like you right now. And it's like everything I was, I was preconditioned as a child that my parents' love is conditional. Probably you were as well. And sadly, I've had to repent for that, for doing that with my two sons, that it would appear that I love them more when they do good and I love them less when they do bad. And here's God, saying that he loves us, God so loved the world, period. Not if you do something, not if you do something. Friends, at the baptism of Jesus, how many sermons has Jesus preached? Zero. How many miracles has he done? How many healings has he done? Zero. What has he accomplished for the kingdom of God? Nothing yet. And God still says, you're my son, I love you. Jesus needed to know before he started in ministry that he was loved. Otherwise, the signals are confusing for him as well. Can you imagine if Jesus starts his ministry and doesn't know that Father God loves him? I think the ministry is going to be very skewed. I think it's going to be a lot of, of uh, doing this because and trying to prove to God that, that he's anointed. Once he's anointed, he doesn't need to prove anything. And all of a sudden, Jesus is the best representation of the Father in history because he knew he had unconditional love. Jesus actually had three times there was an audible voice from heaven that said that God loved him. And the last one, only a few Greek people heard. And it was in that few days before the cross, some Greek people went to Philip and said, like, can we have a chat with Jesus? And Jesus says yeah let's do that and we don't even know what the chat was because the Bible says it thundered but the Greeks heard an audible voice as did Jesus as did Philip that says this is my son listen to him on the Mount of Transfiguration God spoke again this is my son and every time it was son son family connection and friends that's what God wants for you today At our church in Toronto, I would say that we're sort of known for three things. Two of them good, one bad. We're known for teaching about the Father's love. We're known for teaching about heart healing, inner healing deliverance. And we're known for the bizarre manifestations that occasionally happen when people are touched by the Spirit of God. Most of the people who were the weirdest ones were not Canadians from our church. We're nice people in Canada. Uh, anyways, it, yes, Canadians manifested bizarre as well. Uh, I was just in Sheffield three weekends ago, four weekends ago, and the 17 year old daughter of our pastor there uh, was telling me that she's in her A level. She's taking a course on religion or faith or something like that. And part of the videos, sorry, part of the teaching that they're having in The schools, three weeks ago, was a course on the Toronto Blessing. And they're watching videos of our church to explain charismatics. Uh, Who was your guy that, he was at the lunch yesterday, wearing the black um, rugby shirt. He's a chaplain in schools. Neil. He was telling me the very same thing, that they're watching Toronto videos right now. And I'm going, in the English school system. Friends, that gives me hope. And uh, the chaplain that was here yesterday, Tony you said? Neil. Neil, where did I get Tony from? Neil, Neil was saying that he tells the kids, if you wanna have one of those experiences, we're not allowed to do it in the school, but we can do it in the, on the grass outside. And he says he's, he's getting 80% of the students coming out to have an, an encounter. That's pretty good. Because even the bizarre stuff, and friends, it was bizarre. I'm I'm not going to hide it. Like it's, people were overwhelmed when the spirit of God came in into them. Can I tell you, friends? Our 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 founding pastor, John Arnold, says this all the time. The miracle, friends. Oh, you got me coffee. Oh, thank you. Not you. Who was that? Oh, she's a godly lady. I knew that already. (laughs) Uh, Where was I? The bizarre. Thank you. Someone's listening. It's Julie. Uh, here's, here's the, the, the crazy thing is the more, the more bizarre it is those who are seekers see something and they sort of go through the filter of yeah but there's something that's causing that person to shake our founding pastor used to say this the miracle friends is not that you're shaking the miracle is you've connected with the Holy Spirit and didn't die that's the miracle yep yeah. And so, if your body does some stuff, friends, your body's just been rewired to receive the Holy Spirit and to receive the Father's love. And you're not set up yet to be able to do that properly, so you have to be rewired. Stuff's got to go, stuff's got to come, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, one story, and then we're going to start praying. Our church would have conferences to help people have experiences on the Father's love, and Valerie used to help organize those. We, used, we had some conferences, up to 5,000 people. Uh, we had folding plastic chairs, similar to this, except harder plastic, fold together, really easy to stack. We could stack them 50 high, and we'd get rid of all the chairs. And was, We actually had uh, duct tape on the carpets and in, in lines, and people could get in a line, and the prayer team would just go at them. And it would be hours and hours of prayer, and people would have deep, deep experiences with Father God specialists come and meet with our staff and pray with us and i'm seemingly the only one that's not having one of these encounters i'm hearing the talks and i'm going yep that's in the bible yes i know there's a whole chapter in first john chapter four that says that god is love and god loves me i get it yes i know the most famous verse in the bible is john three sixteen: for god so loved the world yes i know that I've seen that at sporting matches when people hold that, that sign up, John 3.16. I, I, I know that verse. But it's all here. It's head knowledge. It's not experience knowledge, heart knowledge. And friends, if, if you've never had a romantic kiss, it's better when you have a romantic kiss. Grandma's kiss is not good. <laughs> it's Grandma's kiss is awkward. <laughs> yep but a romantic kiss, well, that's worth waiting for. Yeah, and it's like to have an experience with Father God, thank you, Sandra, du- Sandra, calm down. <laughs> an experience with Father God is to be sought after, friends, not just ahead, and some of you are going, right. you're, you're tracking with me and going, you know what, I don't know that I've had a deep emotional encounter with God yet. I I know that it's fact, I know that it's truth, that God loves me, but it's so far just here, and it's not here yet. Well, that's what we're going to attempt to do in a few moments from now. So, I'm at all these events, I'm getting prayer from some of the best specialists of imparting the Father's love, and nothing's happening. I'm looking around, and people are on the floor, they're sobbing, they're crying, and like deep crying, hurt crying, pain coming out of them crying as they're meeting Father God for the first time emotionally. And it's just not happening to me. Anyways, that's happening. And I like sports. I'm watching a sporting event late one night. And I see an advert that I've never seen before. The advert is for the best of the world's figure skaters are going to be in Hamilton, Ontario, which is about 30-minute drive from our house. The world's best, Torvald and Dean, are going to be there. Everyone is a gold medalist at the Olympics, uh, gold medalist at the World Championships. Russians, uh, the best Russian figure skaters. And back then they were the pairs. they they, They were just very, very good. Canadians were very good at that time. So there's four or five Canadians. It's an ensemble of about 15 people. And all these names, I know every single one of them. Sandra loves watching figure skating. And the event is close to us and it's on her birthday. Uh huh. Where are the married men? Okay, men, don't tell your wives about this, but it can happen. I had a God thought, which is to get some tickets and give them to my wife on Valentine's Day, February 14. Her birthday's April 24. One gift, two celebrations. Yep. See, the, the guys, look at, look at Harry. <laughs> Harry knows that that's a, that's a miracle. That's a, that's a guy miracle right there. Anyways, when I phoned up for the tickets, I'd never seen it, I was like, oh my, god, I gotta do this. I, I must have been one of the first people, and I said, what's the best ticket you have? Well, they, they said front row. I said, perfect, I'll take two. So I got two seats, and it's at a hockey re- arena, and if you've ever seen ice hockey, there's big boards, And then there's plexiglass so that the puck doesn't come in and the uh, the hockey sticks don't come into the crowd. But for the figure skating, there's no boards. Like we're sitting row one, and I can put my foot on the ice. Like right there, and it's like cool. Uh, Because I knew that we were, yeah, literally it was cool, thank you. (laughs) We're sitting across from all of the TV cameras that are going to make it into a special. And somehow I just figured, because we're going to be in row one, we're supposed to look the part. And so I dressed up. I had a jacket on, had a tie on that day. It's Sandra's birthday. We're gonna ha- we had a meal and then go to, the, go to the event. We're sitting there. We get there early, get our seats. We're, I'm feeling really, really good. And the skaters all come out. They're all introduced. They all had a, like a two-minute routine that they're doing. And it was just spectacular. Here's famous people that I've seen on television. And here they are on the ice right in front of us, literally three three feet away, meter away, and uh, yeah, we're doing it. So they all come out, they have their introductions. That takes maybe 10 minutes for that to take place. And then all of a sudden there's this red bowler hat that appears on the ice. Someone tosses it out, and the first person to pick it up pretended that they had superpowers, and everyone else was in slow motion. And whoever had the hat on could do higher jumps, and if they're the pairs that throw the girl in the air, they could do that and get triples and all these different kind of things. And so all the entertainers, or all the skaters, are wanting that hat, and the competition now is who can get the hat, and they're stealing it from each other. It's all choreographed. This is like 10 minutes of everybody on the ice at once, and who's ever got the the hat, is just better than everybody else. Yeah. And in the middle of that, I'm watching this, and there's this nice music in the background. And in the middle of that, (sighs) and Sandra says, are you okay? And friends, I lost it. I began to sob. Front row. Skaters going by me television cameras watching this guy in a suit sobbing. (laughs) I met the father (laughs) watching figure skating. There was something just in the artisticness of it. There was something in the creativity of it. And I had my Meet Father God, front row, Cops Coliseum, Hamilton, Ontario, on my wife's birthday. That probably, that probably was my, one of my wife's prayer requests for me, I'm sure it was, because I wasn't the nicest guy, because I hadn't, I hadn't received unconditional love yet. And friends, when, you have re- when you've received unconditional love, you become a better person. Yep, better husband, better wife, better father, better grandpa, better son, daughter, better friend, better business, all those good things, yep. Are we ready? I need a sip of coffee. It's a long way down. Mm. So I'd like everyone to stand with me. Those of you who are KFC small group leaders, hands up, wave your hand, perfect. Those of you that are wardens, wave your hand. Those of you that are staff, wave your hand, okay. Are you friends okay? And those of you on the prayer ministry team, where's per team people? Taking the training, everything, okay. These are gonna be the folks that are gonna be ministering this morning, if that's okay. And those of you ministering, uh, especially when we get to the number two prayer about being filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you just to go up and down the rows. And so friends, we'll just have you stay where you are for the time being. When we get to prayer number three of people who've never had an encounter with the Father, we're going to ask you to come to the front. And those folks will be that you know will be part of the prayer team to minister to you. Would that be all right? First prayer is for those of you who who need to meet Jesus today and have an encounter with him. So I'd like everyone just to close your eyes right now. Let me go back to when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. So I want you to think back those three possibilities. Is Jesus a lunatic, a liar, or is he telling the truth? And if you're at the place where you're saying, okay, I don't think it's option number one or not option number two. So by default, Jesus was telling the the truth. And he is the only way to the Father. And that means that I do need to have a relationship with him. That means that without having Jesus in my life, what the Bible says about people who don't have Jesus in their life, it says we're enemies of God. Because our sin is still with us all the things that we've said done thought wrong motives bible classifies all of those things as sin and the bible says that every single person has sinned and every single person has fallen short we've come way short of what it takes to have a relationship with god and so we're separated from god god looks at us and says you've you've not chosen me you're an enemy but at the same time, God has extreme unconditional love for all of us. And he's trying to find a solution for us. And the solution was that he sent Jesus. He asked Jesus in heaven, would you go and live amongst these people? Would you model who I am before these people? Would you present to them that there's hope? There can be breakthroughs. And would you do the ultimate sacrifice of pay the penalty, pay for their sin. And the Bible says it's a historical fact, friends, not just in the Bible in historical records that Jesus died at a cross, not for anything He did, but for, m- for me and for you. And friends, Jesus didn't die just so we could have some good movies and TV shows. He died because the Bible said that we have to be born again. Jesus said that to a religious leader named Nicodemus. You must be born again. Having faith, having tradition, having a religious background is not good enough. We have to be born again. We have to start over, and we have to choose Jesus. And so if you're in the room today and you're ready to do that, I've got a little prayer that I'd like I'm going to have everyone say it, but especially those of you that are saying this for the first time. It's my ABC prayer. So I'd like everyone to say this with me. A, I admit that I'm a sinner. Now, just take a little personal pause here. What are the things that you know that you've done, said, thought that don't match up with who God is? Just have the Spirit of God remind you some of the things. Maybe you've been unfaithful in your marriage. Maybe you've been cheating people in your business. You have a struggle with lying. Have a struggle with pornography, addictions. So let's go back. I admit... That I have sin in my life and that I need Jesus. B, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on a cross for my sins that I've just listed, <laughs> and He was buried and rose again to prove that my sins are forgiven. And I have a place in heaven with the Father. See, I'm calling on your name, Jesus. Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So Jesus, I'm saying I need you right here, right now. Come into my life. Now, if you've never said a prayer like that before, or maybe you had and you've walked away from the Lord, I'd like you to just do something brave for me and just put your hand up and wave it. Where are you, friends? Just go ahead and give me a good wave. This is a first step of connecting with Father God. number two, prayer team, get ready to act. Get ready to move on in, into the aisles now. We're going to welcome the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we say, if Jesus had his life transformed at his baptism, I'd like that experience as well. I'd like to have an overwhelming encounter with the Spirit of God coming and meeting me and touching me. So those of you in the prayer team, just start praying for the people in your row around you. Just those of you at the back, start at the back. Those at the front, start at the front. Just put your hand on someone's shoulder. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Guitar player, are you able to have some good backup music like Jesus did when he was baptized? <laughs> yeah. So Spirit of God, come right now. Come. Come. Touch your people, Father. Come and fill us. Father, we want to be filled again. Some of you have already had encounters with the Holy Spirit, and we're saying do it again, Daddy. Come. 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 Friends, we're going to take five minutes at least on this one of you having time to feel the Holy Spirit in your body in your thoughts to know that the Spirit of God is real can I tell you some of the ways that we know that remember the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 it talks about love and joy and peace those very first three things right there are incredible benefits of the Holy Spirit. And so some of you, as the Spirit of God is touching you, you're going to feel the love of God. You're going to know that in your your heart, in your spirit, that God loves you, that he's for you, he's not against you. And some of you, your spirit's going to be full of joy, like maybe giggling, laughing. This is normal when the Spirit of God comes. And peace. Stress goes. Anxieties go. Some people's bodies just physically collapse. Their body can't handle the peace of God. So Holy Spirit, come. Fill every single person again today. Friends, Jesus had a deep, deep experience that others saw. The Holy Spirit came, touched him, filled him.